are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And honestly, I just realized I didn't say what's the deal. So let me make sure I let you guys know that. What's the deal, everybody? I'm your host, Kuka Hill. Per usual, you can find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill NBA. You can find me over at Detroit Bad Boys, writing articles about the Pistons. I have an article coming in the next few days, by the way. Also, you can find me on YouTube at Coos Ballroom. I also have a video coming out on there in the next week or so, so make sure you guys stay up to date on that. But on today's podcast, we got Keith Black. I believe that's your last name, right, Keith Black? Keith Black? Uh, I, Keith Black Trudeau. I, I generally go by Keith Trudeau. Okay, so we got Keith on here. You guys know about him. I've let him. I've let you guys know many times about him. If you follow anybody on Twitter and Pistons Twitter, you know that he's the dude that's constantly getting retweeted by Isaiah Thomas. He's the the history, the historian of history itself. Like I tell you guys, he knows everything that possibly there is to know about the history of basketball. And I tell you guys all the time that on Locker Room, on Mondays and Thursdays, in Duncan Smith's room, Keith does his little trivia on there. And uh, I've, I've told you guys, by the way, to make sure to download that Locker Room app. It's a lot of fun. We've had... A ton of fun. I've met some new people. I've made some good friendships, and it's a lot of fun. But anyways, Keith does trivia on there, and he always stumps all of us because we don't, we, we never know the answers or anything. He always brings up, like, some hard-ass questions that none of us know, and he stumps us every week. So I thought it'd be fun, since we have Keith on here today, that at the end of this episode, the last segment, we are going to have a segment called Stump the Keith. And it's the three of you guys sent in – actually – I think four of you guys sent in questions, trivia questions for Keith. And we're going to see if you guys can stump him. We're going to see if any of you guys stump him with one of your questions. Uh, it's definitely going to be a fun segment. Uh, make sure you guys stick around for that. But before we get to that, Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Keith is definitely, like I've mentioned already, and I've mentioned on many podcasts, he legit knows everything about the history of basketball. Like I, I've known Keith for a few months now. Uh, I think he's followed. We followed each other for a while, but I, I just started talking to him a few months ago uh, on Locker Room once that app came around. And he, he, he's. I'm not joking at all. This this dude knows everything about about basketball, the history. I learn something new every time in a locker room session with him. So it's definitely gonna be fun that last segment. So, but before we get to that segment, there's a few other things I wanted to talk about with Keith. So we're gonna talk about something from the Going to Work team since I believe today is the 17 year anniversary of of the uh, championship in 2004 against the Lakers, the five-game sweep. So we're going to talk about something with them. Then we're also going to talk about a player from that team and whether he should be in the Hall of Fame. And then a couple of other tiny things. I'll ask him something about the lottery real quick. And then I'll ask for his quick opinion on another one of the current Piston players. Those will be quick hitters real quick. But those are basically the layout of today's podcast. So like I said, today I believe is the 17-year anniversary of the going-to-work team. I've mentioned to you guys many a times that I, I remember them winning the championship. Like, I remember celebrating it, but I was really young, so I never really got to experience, like, the full what, – what should I call it? Like, the full, full experience of being able to celebrate as a Pistons fan, the, 
that Detroit won a championship, knowing all the highs and lows emotionally, whatever. But there is a big takeaway I always will have from that team and something that always will get me to this day. And that is Big Ben's, like, bell that plays every time he, he was introduced or anytime he comes back to the Pistons uh, arena and watches them play. Anytime that bell goes off, I get goosebumps instantly. Every time. I'm 23 years old, I still get goosebumps. It's the one thing that out of everything, you can say Rip's mask or something, but the bell is what gets me every time. I, I, I swear to God, I get goosebumps every single time it happens to this day. So, Keith, you being someone who obviously was older than I was and got to witness the highs and lows, the emotional roller coaster, the 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 series after series after series, the the narratives that were being said about the business, everything going into that championship. What is one thing, if you had to pick one thing, which I'm sure that's going to be hard for you because you know everything about it, but if you had to pick just one thing about the going to work team that you still hold on to this day, that like one big thing that you just hold on to to this day and still has the same impact on you, what would that be? All right, so believe it or not, I actually had, I didn't have season tickets to uh, that year, but that was actually the first year I, where I had some of my own money where I was able to get like a partial ticket package. I think I had about eight or nine home games uh, that season. I had the season opener, uh, the the game where they beat the Lakers, but it really it all boils down to this. Um, wh- what I take uh, from that season isn't necessarily the, the championship run, though that was amazing, uh, but championships are won every year. Uh, what I take from that season was the, and I, I, I've said this before, but it was really a football mentality uh, after the Rasheed Wallace trade where it's the only time – I can ever recall a basketball team where you were more excited for them when the other team had the ball. Uh, like what? They're the only team in maybe ever in NBA history that I see constantly being compared to football teams. Like I'll I'll put videos out for them and I'll I'll see comments that are like the reminds me of watching the 2000 uh, Baltimore Ravens or the '85 Chicago Bears. Uh, because as good as they were defensively uh, before Rasheed Wallace, uh, once they got him, uh, it was like nothing the league had ever seen before. And I'll do credit to the bad boys. I think they're the best defensive team ever because they did it for longer. But for that one uh, half season plus playoffs, uh, I don't think anyone will touch what that going to work team did on defense. And the, the really cool thing was uh, – I think everybody knows that they had the uh, streak of five games in a row holding opponents under 70 during the regular season, and no team in the history of basketball has ever held an opponent under 70 more than uh, two consecutive games other than that team. And the the amazing thing was, because uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is I had season tickets, or I had tickets to that uh, the fifth game, it was a, I think it was a national TV game Sunday against the Sixers. And Allen Iverson wasn't playing. The Sixers weren't very good. We knew going in it was probably going to be an easy win, and it was. Uh, but the the atmosphere was like something I, I never experienced before. Uh, you had the, the fans were chanting defense uh, right after the opening tip. Like the, the, the fans were so excited just to see if they, the Pistons could hold the Sixers under 70 points. Like, the, the, how many points the Pistons scored didn't matter as long as they won. It was just this amazing, um, like, people had these signs, people were bringing in signs, you know, uh, today's forecast under 70. And 
it came down to about two minutes left. The game was over. The Pistons were up by probably 15, 20 points. And with about two minutes left, I think the Sixers got to, to 69 points. And, you know, the benches were emptied by that point. And no, you, usually in a, a random regular season game in March, uh, you know, the fans are leaving at that point. Like, the, the game's over. We have stuff to do. This isn't a playoff game. No. Uh, every fan that was in that, that packed house was still there. And they were chanting defense like it was game seven of the finals. It was amazing. And the Pistons actually did get a bunch of stops in that last two minutes, like with the end of the bench guys, with like Darko and Darvin Ham and, and Eldon Campbell and, and whatever. But that is the first, uh, my first uh, game that I'll always remember. And then the game immediately following that, if you have time to let me go into it, um, I think was even more amazing was the, the day the streak ended which was the very next game at New Jersey. And they went to New Jersey, and they just clobbered them. And New Jersey wasn't a bad they're, – they're the, at this point, they're the two-time defending uh, conference champions, right? And I think that was a – that might have been on TNT. That might have been a national TV game too. And they, they just clobbered them. They were up by 20 points with uh, like a minute or two left. And once again, the bench is emptied. And they – they were getting stops, and it looked like they were going to hold the Nets under 70. And something amazing happened, which is the Nets fouled on purpose with about, I don't know, 20 seconds left to get the ball back. And they're down 20 points. They're, they're, they're down like 89-69 or something at this point. The game's over. But still, they fouled. Uh, and then they called timeout after the free throws to get the ball back. And they ran a play, and I think it was Aaron Williams got this tip in at the buzzer. To, to get them over 70. I think they finished with 71. And Aaron Williams was celebrating like they had just won the championship. And I, I, I don't know why they did it. Like it was this mind game or something. But it, it, in my mind, I'm, I, my mind is blown. I'm watching this game on TV. I'm like, this team has been to the finals two years in a row. And they're celebrating a game that they just lost 89 to 71 because they scored 71 points. You will never in your lifetime see another team celebrating scoring 71 points in a basketball game. Um, yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I just had one uh, some notes real quick to go over from that because again, people remember that championship run, but that that. There's this 21-game uh, uh, stretch with Rasheed Wallace starting at the end of the season uh, where Larry Brown employed this uh, amazing like half-court, full-court trap. Uh, Piston fans uh, would remember the Pit Bulls with Lindsey Hunter and Mike James when they came into the game. And it was just uh, – if you didn't have a point guard that could bring the ball up efficiently – it was it was like blood in the water with sharks. I mean, they would press you until you your entire team was staying behind the half court line to bring the ball up. And at that point, you're running your offense with like 10 seconds left in the shot clock. But anyway, the here are the, here are the numbers with uh, Rasheed Wallace uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, 17 and four with him as a starter, and that's misleading because two of those games they lost by one point on kind of fluky plays. Uh, their point differential was 13.3. Uh, they allowed 
an average of 76.7 points per game. This is roughly a quarter of the season. Uh, they held eight teams under 70 and only one team. One team broke 90 on them. They did Nobody scored 100. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's that's absolutely crazy to hear. I know people my age will know that this team was amazing defensively. Like all of us know that, but to hear some numbers like that and hear like stories of that, like that's the kind of thing I talk about. That I wish I was able to experience, like being me being older. That's something I don't know. Being as young as I was, I just know they won a championship. Like if I got to witness something like that now. That like makes everything nice. That just makes everything better. That goes along with the story. So it's one of those things I, that I wish I was a little bit older back then, so I could have witnessed it and experienced all that. But it it definitely is crazy to hear those kind of stats. But when we come back, I'm definitely going to ask one more thing about that. What Keith just brought up before we get into one of the players from that team, I'm going to ask Keith, does he believe this player should be in the Hall of Fame? And then we'll get into some trivia to try to stump Keith. But before we get into all that. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. This app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team and sport. Locker Room is the best place to engage in conversation and debate about whatever sports subject you're thinking about. Like I tell you guys all the time, I'm constantly in Duncan Smith's room on Mondays and Thursdays, and I have my own Locked On Pistons room on Saturdays at 2 p.m. now. So make sure you download it. And go hang out with us in there. It's a lot of fun. Keith is always in there running some trivia. It's it's a ton of fun. I'm telling you, you get in there, you will have a great time. So go download the free Locker Room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices and Android now. I believe it's in beta version right now with Android. But still, make sure you go download it. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all in the app, and I'll be sure to let you know once Lockdown Pistons Zoom is live. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker room, changing the way we talk about sports. All right, so Keith, one of the things I wanted to bring up about that going to work team that you just brought up that, that you were you were talking about during then is, um, man, I just forgot literally what I was going to say. It was a question I had for the stats that you had been bringing up. Oh, okay, no, I just remembered it. That I just had a brain fart. My fault, everybody. Um, but this is the question. And me, I've talked about this with a few other guests with uh, Motor City Hoops on here. It's been a discussion, obviously, over the past two years of people outside Detroit. They've compared them to this 2004 team all the time. But I guess it's a two-part question. You don't have to spend too long on it because I definitely want to get to whether you believe this player could make the Hall of Fame. But do you believe, one, that we'll ever see a team resemble that of the going-to-work team? Like Not even just like the defensive statistics, but I don't think it's going to be even close to possible with the rules and how talented the league is now. Uh, but do you think a team will ever resemble that going-to-work team with like five not superstars, I guess, even though I believe they somewhat underrate how actually good those players are. But like the overall consensus that the team never had like a star. It was a five-man team. It was like a five-man lineup and they had a good bench. Like that kind of thing to be able to win without a super team, that kind of thing. And one. And two, do you believe that Utah Jazz are re- resemble that team and have a chance to make that happen this year? Okay, so first off, I – as far as the, the non-star thing goes, uh, I, I think we kind of saw a bit of a glimpse of that with the uh, with the 2014 Spurs. Now, you're you're going to stop me and say that you know Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard were on that team, which is absolutely true. But Tim Duncan was uh, way at the end of uh, his career at that point. He was in his late 30s, and Kawhi was just getting started. Uh, before that Finals MVP, I don't think he was you you would call him even one of their top 
maybe one, two, three best players. Uh, but I, I thought that that the, the Spurs in general have been really good at, at emulating that, that team before the individual philosophy. Uh, now, as far as the defensive end of the four, just being a purely defensive team, which the 0-4 team was, I mean, they were they were a bottom half of the league uh, def, uh, team from an offensive efficiency standpoint. Now, they certainly got better after they got Rashid, uh, but still, they, that, that was a team that made their bones almost entirely just shutting you down, just purely wrecking your offense. Uh, do we, are we going to see something like that again? I don't think so because, uh, the reason is anytime a team gets a little bit too good defensively, uh, inevitably other teams will try to copy that and the league will step in and enforce some rule changes because the league doesn't want scores to get too low. Uh, I, I don't think I like, uh, all right. To your second point, uh, with the Utah Jazz, I think the Utah Jazz are probably, you know, the best uh, half-court defensive team in the league. But e- even the Utah Jazz, I mean, they're, they're as good as they are because they have Donovan Mitchell creating, surrounded by a whole cast of three-point uh, marksmen. Like, you, you're you not going to see the Utah Jazz this year winning any game, you know, 75 to 68 it, it's just not going to happen even with the the pace of play that the offenses are just too efficient because the rules don't allow uh defenses the freedom that the that the rules allowed the 04 pistons and you know even in that era as soon as the pistons won the championship in 04 the league immediately changed the rules to to allow more freedom uh more freedom of movement allow less contact I, I think the NBA, contrary to what people believe, I think the NBA likes the idea of the Detroit Pistons because they're different. I think the NBA is scared of too many franchises copying the Detroit Pistons, and that's why they keep stepping in uh, and, and changing things whenever the Pistons get too good. Okay, so I'll say this. I'll give you this last question. It's a simple, quick yes or no, and then we can get to the next topic. If the Utah Jazz won the championship, let's say the Utah Jazz go on and win the championship this year. Would you be okay with people calling them? Because I see it happening already, and I somewhat agree with it myself. But I want to ask someone who's a little bit more informed by history, I guess, and you. So if they won the championship this year, would you be okay with people saying this is the first team since the 04 Pistons to win a championship without like a superstar and more of just a world, a really built, a really good built team that didn't need like superstars or a big two or a big three, something like that? I'm going to disagree because I think Donovan Mitchell is very, very close to being a superstar if he's not already. And if, if certainly if the Jazz go on and win the championship, uh, they're not doing that unless Donovan Mitchell uh, plays even better than he is right now. So I, I – I, look, I, I feel just like I did last year when people were comparing the, the Miami Heat to the Detroit Pistons. It, it's just not the same. That, that team, just like this team, was a really good offensive team. Uh, I, the, the Jazz are a really good defensive team, but they're also a, a really good offensive team. And they they don't rely purely on just shutting you down. Now, as yes, they're a team, and yes, Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell aren't like the biggest names, but they're still names. I, I Donovan Mitchell has you know multiple uh, fifty point playoff games in his resume already. I, I'm just not. 
Like, it isn't like that 4 Pistons team where you're manufacturing points literally on the offensive end and your, your defense was creating the rest of your offense for you. Fair enough. Okay, so the next thing we wanted to talk about, I wanted to ask Keith, was, you know, we just had Ben Walls, who's going to be inducted to the Hall of Fame next year. About time. Ben deserves it. Anyone who says he doesn't deserve it, I just don't get it. I understand he wasn't the greatest offensive player, but his accolades defensively, he has a champion. He's 100% his prime is deserving of a Hall of Fame, and he's in there now. So he's going to be inducted next year. Great for him. But the question is, I want to ask Keith is, and there's a ton of debate about this, by the way, amongst Detroit people. I know there's even a debate about how many players from that team should even be in the rafters. I believe we have Ben, Chauncey, and Rip right now. So, But the question I wanted to ask Keith was, do you believe that Chauncey will be the next one into the Hall of Fame, if there even is a next one into the Hall of Fame? Do you think Chauncey gets in? And I guess, I mean, I, I'm assuming Chauncey's the best likely, next likely one to get in from that team. But if you don't believe it's Chauncey, you can say you disagree, you think it's someone else. But I'm assuming you're going to say it's Chauncey. Do you believe that he gets in at some point? All right, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I don't think that anyone else really has a shot on that team of getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, certainly the one with the best odds is Chauncey Billups. I think, look, the easy answer is yes, I think he will get in. I think the question is when. Um uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, I might agree with them on something maybe once or twice in a good year, uh, but they, I think they brought up something that I actually agreed with the other week, which is uh, Tim Hardaway. And for those uh, people that are too young to remember, uh, Tim Hardaway Sr., uh, he, he was very much an amazing basketball player. Uh, he I, I compare him a lot uh, to... Uh, how Derrick Rose was in his younger days, though he didn't have the vertical game that Derrick Rose did. He was definitely wow. Okay. He, yeah, he was he was definitely the same type of uh, lightning quick, uh, playmaking, explosive guard. Uh, when the NBA started la- uh, relaxing their their palming and their dribbling or uh, their traveling uh, rules in the early '90s, Tim Hardaway was the very first guy that was making defenders fall down on a regular basis. I mean, he was good for. Uh, people would remember the run TMC years with uh, he, Mitch Richmond, and um, Chris Mullen. And he was good year after year. He was good for 25 points and 10 assists almost every night. He was that good. And uh, let me list some uh, statistics off for you. He had a, like a 10-year prime where he was uh, an offensive machine for four or five years. Then he tore his knee. Uh, came back at Miami, reinvented himself as a as a half court uh, floor general, and he was really good doing that too. Uh, the reason I bring all of this up, he was a five time All NBA player. Uh, he's been Hall of Fame eligible for over ten years now, uh, and he he keeps getting passed over. Now I bring this up because Chauncey Billups, uh, three time All NBA player, uh, two time All Defense, which helps. Uh, his numbers statistically, he didn't put up nearly the numbers that Tim Hardaway did. Uh, but here's the one thing that he does have that Tim Hardaway doesn't is a championship. Uh, also, Tim uh, Tim Hardaway, uh, he's only he only ever reached the conference finals once. Not that that was entirely his fault. His teams are never great. Uh, Chauncey Billups reached the conference finals uh, seven times. 
and not all with the Pistons. He did it. He when the Pistons traded him to Denver, pe- uh, people forget he did it that first year with Denver. He had them in the conference finals uh, with Carmelo Anthony. So I, I think the visibility maybe with Chauncey is what is going to get him in because we all know him as uh, Mr. Big Shot. We all know him as the the guy that hit the uh, the that half court shot against New Jersey, uh, the Finals MVP in that that huge uh, what the media would consider an upset against the uh, Lakers in the Finals. So he had maybe a little bit more visibility on the big stages uh, than Tim Hardaway did. Uh, I guess my point is I think Chauncey Billups is going to get in eventually, but I think it might take longer than uh, than people think. Because I think Tim Hardaway is going to get in eventually too, but it's he's been eligible for 10 years. All right. Well, I guess, I guess we'll just have to wait to see then if Chauncey gets in. I hope he does. Uh, I think that, like you said, definitely with the fact that he was the finals MVP and won a championship and what is going to be probably one of the most memorable finals, uh, at least of this generation's media for a while because of the upset that you that they call it. Um, I actually did a project in college my freshman year, and it was I had to go back and try to relive what media was saying about the Pistons back in 2004 as the finals were going on. I had to do a whole research project on it. And the research I came away with was – I. It really is like I, I once again I just wish I was a little bit older to really understand how badly the Pistons were overlooked and how how many people really thought they were just going to get destroyed because I, everything I saw and all the research I did from during that time nobody thought the Pistons had a shot to win that series so it definitely was crazy and I hope Chauncey eventually gets in I think he I think he eventually will I think he deserves it I think he's better than what his numbers were I think if the analytics era was brought in during him he definitely he's one of those players I feel like would be propped up even more because uh, his basic box score stats won't sell it as much. But I think everyone knows that he was one of the best players in the league. But this is what it is. When we come back, uh, I'm going to say, again, one more thing before we get into the trivia that Keith brought up just now I want to talk about. But before we get to that, let me tell you about another few, actually a few more of our sponsors. First one will be your guys' favorite sponsor, Bill Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest is the peanut butter flavor. Packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. So go try the Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. And then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. Betting is now legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there's one problem I constantly ran into. There's just so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season might be over, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL are still in full swing. If you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline has you covered there, too. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline has the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, and make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And before we even continue with this podcast, let me just say, speaking of betting, I have this bet going on with Duncan Smith, who... I'm going to spoil this for you guys. We'll be on the podcast this week as well. 
uh, I have a bet going on with him that I placed with him last week that I thought the Brooklyn Nets would just cruise to the finals, really. I, I thought that they would just I, – I didn't think anyone would really give them much of a much of a fight on their way to a championship. I thought they were just that much better stacked at the top. So I made a bet with them that they wouldn't lose more than four games, I believe it was. Uh, they, they won't lose more than four games in the, the rest of the playoff run. So that was last week. We're now on June 15th, and Kyrie Irving is now hurt. They've lost two games already since then. Kyrie Irving got hurt. James Harden's hurt. He's going to try to play today, which I don't know why they're doing that. What we saw happen to KD when he tried playing on an injured, uh, injured leg, and they tried rushing him back. So that's not good in and of itself. So now, a bet that I was feeling pretty good about last week, I'm, I'm now close to having that bet lose literally in the same series I had made the bet on. So take that for what you will about betting. I'm an unlucky person, so I guess it's just me. But, hey, this is what it is. But anyways, Keith, this is, this is just something I wanted to ask real quick before we get into the questions or, or the trivia that was sent for you. And I can't wait to see, honestly, if, if some of these stumped you. I, I, there's one question that I really like. And one of these was really good by one of you guys. I, I want to see if you can get this one. But before we get into that, there's just – so do you believe, since we're just since we're obviously been talking about the going-to-work team, I know I've talked with you about them a little bit on Locker Room, but I feel like one of the players, and I tweeted this out a few weeks ago because you – actually, I believe you told us in the Locker Room chat like a month ago that this player was the Pistons' all-time leading playoff scorer. So you don't have to go too long on, on it so we can get to the trivia. But I do want to hear, do you feel like Rip Hamilton could have been – because me personally looking back on it, like I said, I was young, but me looking back on it in the, the research and the limited knowledge I know about the NBA before me is that I, I always wonder, could Rip have been like more of a scorer or even scored more points if he was on a different team that was not team-based? Maybe they wouldn't have won as much, but maybe he could have had better numbers because he was that good of a scorer. I know I feel like that the going-to-work team kind of sacrificed their own numbers to to win games and obviously paid off. Which, by the way, you mentioned that Chauncey went to seven Eastern Conference Finals. I believe, if I'm correct, it was seven straight Eastern Conference Finals then, right? Because if it's the year after he got – the same year he got traded, he went to six straight with Detroit. So if he went to one with Denver that first year, that would be seven straight, I believe. So um, basically, do you believe that Rip Hamilton – would have like better numbers and maybe would have had a better shot at being like, I don't know, maybe like getting more all-star appearances, whatever, because he simply was scoring more points, whatever. If he wasn't on the Pistons and was like playing on a different team when he was asked, here you go, take the ball, try to score the points. We may not win a championship or anything, but you'll be able to stack your numbers up. Okay. So yeah, Rip, Rip Hamilton uh, was traded into the perfect situation uh, for him. Uh, could he have been a more proficient or a, uh, better volume score uh, on a lesser team. I, I think we kind of saw that. Um, like Rip Hamilton's, his his uh, best scoring season was his first, uh, I believe his first all-star uh, team appearance in I think 06, uh, that first Flip Saunders team that won like 64 games. Uh, his second highest scoring season was with the Wizards, believe it or not. Uh, that, yeah, that awkward uh, year with uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, so Rip Hamilton was certainly capable of getting his points on whatever team. And I, I think maybe on a team that played a little more up-tempo, a team that maybe didn't share the ball enough, uh, I, I think Rip could have had uh, bigger numbers, but I don't know if he would have been a better player. Uh, so, something about uh, Pistons history is that 
when their backcourts, they've had two of the better backcourts of all time, and what they both had in common, uh, Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and Vinnie Johnson and also Chauncey Billups and Richard Hamilton, is that they complemented each other. Uh, Rip and Chauncey, you could run Rip around screens all all day long, and if the other guard helped, uh, Chauncey would, would bear, immediately bury you with three-pointers. Uh, Rip was this... And I don't know how he hasn't got more credit, but Rip, you could switch Rip and Chauncey defensively. And you, you had a lot of situations where Rip was guarding, like, the quicker point guards, like the Chris Pauls uh, uh, of the league. And Chauncey was guarding the, the stronger two guards. Like, they, they were a perfect match for each other. Um, I, I, I think that Rip, and, and again, Rip was pretty damn good offensively with the Detroit Pistons. He is their all-time leading playoff scorer. And in an era where the games were slowed down and the Pistons certainly played slower than most. And he scored and he scored efficiently. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for what Rip Hamilton accomplished in Detroit, uh, despite how it ended. Fair enough. Rip, Rip Hamilton, I, I've had, I, I think I said that Ben Wallace was probably my favorite Piston growing up, but it was definitely between him and Rip. Rip with the face mask, it was, it was I- iconic as a kid. I, I wanted to have a face mask. I wanted to like I I remember doing multiple re, uh, reports on him in elementary school and middle school. I remember reading a book when I was in, like fourth grade that had him in it as one of the best players in the NBA and was like a little bio on him, whatever. Like Rip Rip was one of one of the most iconic players in my life growing up, and I've always I've always felt like that he's never gotten the proper respect that he really deserves, and I, I've always felt like that he's kind of underrated in history. And I don't know, I just wanted to cause I, I know that him being for the Pistons and not having these all like all world numbers with the Pistons will have them underrated by the, the outside Detroit. So I was just wondering, do you believe, I was just wondering to see if you believe that if he wasn't Detroit, maybe national media would have more respect for him, but yes. So we can go ahead and segue that straight into some trivia for Keith and see if Keith can be stumped by you guys. You, I had one, two, three, four. I have four, I believe with the time, I think we're probably only going to get through three of them. So, here we go. This, this is how we're going to do it here. I don't want there to be, because Keith brought up a good point, that I don't want there to just be like dead air on here when you guys are just sitting here in silence waiting for things. So this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to ask Keith the question. If Keith is incapable of ask, answering the question off top, I'm immediately just going to roll into soft hints and just keep going until Keith can start naming some. I'm not going to I'm going to try not to give like clear giveaway hints because I know this is like try to stump him. And if he eventually does get stumped, it is what it is. You guys won. So actually, I think I might. Keith, tell me if you're okay with this. Would you be okay with having a two or three minute limit on each question? Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, fair enough. So with each question, I'll put a limit. How about that? I'll go halfway. A two and a half limit. While I'm giving the soft clues, if Keith can't answer it, then you have officially stumped Keith. So the first one is going to be one of our friends that is in the locker room all the time. I've known this man for a while on Pisses Swearing. I'm sure all of you guys who are on Twitter know him. Eli Bashy sends one. Uh, so he says, stump the Keith. Highest assist percentage percentages in Pistons history, top 10. So I'm not going to ask for all 10 because that would take a very long time. So I'm just going to ask you for the top five players. Uh, highest assist percentage in Pistons history. I'm assuming this is a season. I'm looking at it. It looks like this is a season uh, assist percentage. So top five Pistons in assist percentage history. Keith, can you name some off the bat? Now, are we talking single season or for a career? 
I believe this is single season. He could he I could be wrong with that. He didn't specify. I probably should have specified with that. But I believe this looks like single season. Actually, okay. no, one hundred percent. This is single season because one of these numbers is insane, and there's no way this was a career. Okay, so Isaiah Thomas is would have to be obviously at the top, right? He is number two. Really? Okay, so uh, is Kevin Porter at the top? Yes, I thought that was going to be the one. I was going to give a hint and say he is a senior and his kid plays in the league right yeah. now. I'm assuming yeah. this is—is is this his father? I, I don't believe it is. Believe it or not. Are you for real? My God, yeah. I thought it was I, his I father. Think well, I, may have, I, was I, I may have been curious about that myself. Uh, yeah, Kevin Porter. Uh, I, I think uh, George Blaha's original muse. Uh, he was actually the guy that they uh, got in return for uh, when they traded Dave Bing to uh, Washington in the uh, I want to say 1975. Uh, but yeah, he was an assistant. Ah, okay. Fair enough. So, all right, so you got t- the top two. Okay. So are, are these all different players? Three, four, five. Yes, they're all different players. Okay. I can tell um, you. Okay. So the next soft hint I'll give you is that these players all—all all of them have played for the Pistons since 2005. Oh, since 2005. So Chauncey Billups. He is number five. Okay. So. Is it possible Reggie Jackson's on there? Reggie Jackson is on there. He is number four. So now you're missing one person. All right. Just so one we, one we, other we, point we, guard. We I'll give you that. Of high volume point guards. I, I think we're left with a couple. Um, uh, Derek Rose? Nope. He is or not one. Ish Smith? Nope. Ish Smith is in the top ten. He's number eight. All right. How about Will this Bynum? player? This player is one of my favorite players. How about nope, how not about Will Bynum? Bynum? He's six. Oh, Will Bynum sixth. Yep, he's six. Now I, <laughs> this look, is, I, I imagine Killing Hayes would probably. I don't think Killing Hayes has played enough games to qualify, right? Nope, he's not on here. Yeah, Killing Hayes. Is I'll a give you a hint. This player is not on the team. This player is not on the team. Nope, he's not on the team right now. He has been on the team in the last decade. I'll give Keith got 30 more seconds before he's officially stumped. <laughs> yeah. All right, so as Keith Brandon is thinking Brandon. with 15, and there you go, he beats it at the buzzle, brother. Brandon Jennings was How number three. So Kevin this, Porter, <laughs> Kevin Porter is number one at 41.3 percent, which is insane. Isaiah Thomas is at 37.4 percent at number two. Brandon Jennings is number three at 35.0. Randy Jackson is at number four with 33.0. And then Chauncey Phillips is at number five with 31.3. So since I didn't make you guess the whole 10, but Eli wanted to hear the whole 10 on here, I'll go ahead and finish out the top 10 for you. He did say he ended up naming two of them. So Will Bynum was six at 30.7. Grant Hill was number seven at 30.4. Ishmith was eight at 29.3. Bon, was this Bonley? Ronley? Ronley is at 25.9. At uh, in the ninth position, and Blake Griffin's season in 2018-19 has him at 25.7 at number 10. So that's a fun one, Keith. You almost you almost got stumped there, man. You were running up on the timer. You had about 10 seconds left. Yeah, I, I, and you know what? I, I would have just yeah, I would have hit under my bed in shame if I if I had not gotten <laughs> Brandon Jennings because Brandon Jennings for that magical uh, two weeks was maybe the most fun I've had watching the Pistons in the last decade. That, that magic. Oh, yeah, that, that, that yeah. two week stretch after was amazing. Josh Smith, yeah, after they waved Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings was playing amazing basketball, yeah. 
So shout okay. out to Brandon so, Jennings wherever you are. No, yeah, definitely shout out to Brandon Jennings. I love Brandon Jennings. I, he that little stretch right there was definitely some of the most fun I've had as a Pistons fan over the last decade because you know all I've done is grown up with losing, and they were freaking spectacular when he after that stretch. And it sucks that he got hurt. But next one is going to be from Derek Brooks. Now, Keith, you're gonna, this is a long-winded one, so you're gonna have to give me a minute. But this is the one I, I I was saying that I really liked. I really liked this one. This one was this one was cool. I honestly think, but th- the thing is, I like this one, but I low I low key feel like this is the one you're probably going to get off top because I feel like this is something that you like. This is one of those ones I feel like you just know immediately. But let me let me finish the whole question before you you poop on my parade. But he says, in 1996 draft, the 1996 was legendary. Detroit had the 26th pick that year. Who did they draft? Also, Detroit initially wasn't supposed to have the 26th pick. Rather, they were originally slotted to pick at 18th. What was the trade that landed Detroit 26th? And the hint that he wants me to give you as a hint, the team they traded with was San Antonio. All right. Well, I know off the the top of my head that their first round pick that year was the junkyard dog, uh, Jerome Williams. Uh, it, was, I, it was not Jerome Williams. You said 1996 NBA draft? Unless this, unless Derek Brooks, unless the, the fan gave me the wrong answer, he says, oh, wait, no, no, actually, you're right. You're right with that. This is the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong answer. My fault. Wrong answer. Go ahead. You're right about that. Next. All right. Okay. Uh, and their trade was with the San Antonio Spurs. Correct. So he wants to know what was the trade and wh- who were the players involved with. Okay. Involved so, in it. Yeah. Th- this is a long saga um, because I think originally the Pistons had traded. This is how Dennis Rodman left the Pistons. They traded him for Sean Elliott. And uh, that was a marriage that just was not meant to be. Uh, neither party wanted any part of that relationship. Uh, so the very next year, uh, they traded Sean Elliott back to the Spurs uh, for a first-round pick, which I believe was Bill Curley, who he didn't last. And I want to say that that was part of this deal. I, I think – was it uh, – Sean Elliott to the Spurs for a couple of draft picks, and one of them was Bill Curley, and the other one was uh, wound up being Jerome Williams. Well, you 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 were right. I, I should have just stopped you and just like said you didn't need to go on all that. You you aced it. I I knew this was going to be one of those ones. I liked this question. I thought it was fun, but I knew in the back of my head, Keith is going to know this instantly, and he's he's just going to answer everything before this even becomes a question. But yeah, everything you said was right. Like I, I, there's nothing. There's literally nothing else for me to even say. There's, you just, everything you said was right. So I guess we just move on to the next one. Then we're moving through these pretty fast. So far, the closest one was Eli. He got he got you up to 15 seconds within the timer. So here's the last one we're going to do. Actually, before we do the last one, Derek actually wanted me to tell you this too. Uh, before we get to the next one, he said, if you had time to throw this in, I'd love it as well because I think Grant Hill would be almost unstoppable in today's NBA. Ask him how he feels about that because I see him as currently what Kawhi is. Okay, so uh, look, the, the, the bugaboo on Grant Hill's um, uh, skill set that even back in the 90s, uh, that was the hole in his game was his outside uh, shot. Uh, he had a decent mid-range game. His, his outside the three-point line, it was kind of non-existent. Uh, but he was learning how to shoot it. Uh, I think his last year in Detroit, he, he started to shoot threes and he started to make them. And if, if you if you put him in today's game, uh, 
he would be amazing uh, because at six foot eight, uh, he had one of the nastiest handles of anyone his size that's ever played uh, to this day. Uh, you would not be able to guard him without fouling him. You you certainly wouldn't be able to keep him uh, from getting to the basket without fouling him. And I think with the emphasis on the three point shot, like it, Grant Hill was showing uh, before he got hurt, he was showing that he could shoot the three. Uh, if if you if you disrespected him from there, he just needed to be encouraged to do it. So yeah, in, in today's game, I don't know because I think Kawhi Leonard is a better defensive player than Grant Hill was. Grant Hill wasn't bad; it just wasn't his thing. Grant Hill was like one of the original like megastar point forwards. Uh, generating offense was what he did the best, and I, I don't think that he really compares to Kawhi because they are different skill sets. But man, uh, I would love to see Grant Hill in his prime today. Uh, it it would have been. I, I think he would get way more respect uh, today than he did uh, 20 years ago. And he was a national name 20 years ago. But he would have gotten MVP votes Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely would love to see Grant Hill play today. I didn't get to see him in his prime because it was when I was I was basically a baby. But he, all the stories and all the highlights I see from him, yeah. I, there was this one highlight. I, this, this, these, this highlight mixtape always goes throughout Twitter like every year or so. And it's always one play that just like catches me. I'm like – Damn, that was that was nasty. It was like a quick crossover he gave some dude along the baseline and then dunked on somebody. And the handle on the crossover, it was so filthy. It was it was it was like, damn, okay. I didn't know he could do it like that. It was a filthy crossover. But all right. This final question that we got for you, and we'll end the podcast there. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. This has been fun. Uh the next one is from Steve Cook. I feel like this one probably is gonna be another one Keith answers fast. I, I don't feel like we're gonna stump him at all. Uh, but this one is, he says, okay, the 1980-1981 team set a then-NBA record to start the season with the most consecutive losses. What was the number? Oof. Oof. The, uh, yeah, oh. that was the, that, that was the uh, season that <laughs> I really, really hate to look back on. Um, yeah, that was the Dick Vitale uh, disaster. Um. I want to say they started 0 and 16. Am I right or am I wrong? You are wrong. Okay. Uh, or did you want me to keep guessing? Yeah, you can keep going. You can. I'll give you since this is a straightforward one. I'll give you a minute and a half. So at the 40, we're at the timer up here. I'll give you till 48:10 to answer. So I'll I'll tell you this right here, and to prevent like the the constant. Oh, 16, 17, 18, whatever. I'll simply say it was more than 16. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, 19? Nope, not 19. I thought this actually would be one you would know off top. I feel like this – I thought this was going to be one of those ones like, oh, yeah, I remember this because I was at a game or, or, something, or something like that. I thought that would be one of these. You said the 80-81 season? Yes. And it was – and. It, most consecutive losses to begin a season? He says it, the 1980-81 team said, then NBA record to start the season with consecutive losses. What was the number? I'll be honest. I don't we'll give you one. Them. I'll give you one more guess. All right. Uh, 23. But I, I honestly don't think it was that high. I know they were really bad. They were the worst team in the league that year. But I don't remember like a huge like 50-game losing streak. All right, so Keith was wrong. It was not 23. Now, I'll say this. 
I'll say you stumped him, Steve Cook. I'll say you you were the one who was able to stump him. But I'll say this. Keith sounds like he may not be believing that this number is real. So if Keith ends up getting back to me or eventually says on Twitter, hey, this number uh, was wrong. I did my research and this was wrong. Uh, you're going to you're gonna have to apologize to him. But he says the answer right here was 21 straight losses that 1980-1981 season. Oh, so that was not to begin the season. That was just longest losing streak at any point. No, he says right here it's to start the season with the consecutive losses. Okay. No, I. If, if that's true, then I, I learned something today because I honestly didn't know that. <laughs> so shout out to Steve Cook. Uh, right, so... Wherever you are, I I honestly didn't know that. But I yeah I I'm as soon as oh. we're done, I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> so Steve so Steve Cook did something. Steve Cook did something I didn't think anyone was going to be able to do. Not only did he stump Keith, he also taught Keith something that he didn't know already. So there you go. Steve Cook, go ahead and pat yourself on the back. Keith did say he's going to go look this up afterwards. So if he ends up tweeting me saying this was wrong, I'm, I'm at you and have you explain this to him, why you gave us the wrong data here. But Keith, I had a lot of fun having you on, man. Thank you for coming on. It was Again, it was a lot of fun. It's I always love hearing your knowledge of Pistons history and NBA history. They always, especially with the Pistons history, when I have like tiny memories of things and then you like giving me the whole painting, the whole picture for me and everyone around my age and my generation, I think it's really cool and we all love it. So thank you for coming on here and spreading that for us. Oh, it was a fun time. Thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening. Before we end it, as always, let me go ahead and tell you guys this real quick. Today on our road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So tonight we got the Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Game 5, James Harden is going to try to play. We'll see what happens. For the sake of my bet, please, Brooklyn, you're going to need a win. But honestly, I don't know why I made this bet to begin with because I really want Milwaukee to play well. I want Giannis to play well. So I can't bet against my heart. But please... If James is going to play, please win for the sake of my bet. I don't want to have to give Duncan Smith $25. So, please. Uh, until next time, I'll see you guys later. Thank you guys for listening. Had a lot of fun with Keith. And I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.